Hello. Hello. I'm John. And I'm Allie. And this is and this is the, the convenience, convenience store. store. We uh grab a bag of chips, choose from our huge selection of plain bugles. Or no flavored corn nuts. Welcome. <laughs> I just thought of corn nuts because I like corn nuts a lot, actually. That's weird. Okay, um, so we just did episode part three, episode three of The Return. This right. is actually the episode I originally stopped watching the show on on the original run when it aired live because I realized it had been too long since I'd seen the original and I was like too out of the loop. So you had to start over? Yeah, so I started over and then rejoined in when I watched it after the whole thing was completed this past year. Oh, nice. Did you have a, well, before we get into it, did you have an okay week? I did. I did have a pretty okay week. Good. I'm feeling a lot better. That's good. Uh, That's good. My stomach's been still having some issues, but I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Good. I'm all right. I'm all right. I have, I had a therapy call today that was very helpful. So it's kind of helped me get through some stuff, but I feel like I'm doing okay. Yeah. Um, I was just thinking today was kind of was historic because we have our first Senate appointed trans woman in uh, uh, Oval Office cabinet, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, Health and Human Services. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, right? Which is, yeah, which is so incredibly important in so, so many different ways. So, so that was groundbreaking. That was thrilling. That was. I was very excited. Uh, So congrats to her. That's amazing step forward and amazing news, especially because for viewers that don't know, well, of course they wouldn't know that people don't know me necessarily. I am transgender. I'm non-binary. I use they, them pronouns. Right. So this is a very big deal to someone like me. And John is, if you haven't figured it out somehow, yay. (laughs) I I am, if you haven't figured that out. I am a homosexual. But I will... (laughs) But I will say it's um, they might not know because we didn't release the first episode where we kind of explained those things. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we're just going to intersperse information about our personal lives throughout this podcast. You'll get to know us a little bit. Yeah, I think that's important. But really exciting stuff. I mean, hopefully she gets in there and does some great, important um, sweeping overhauls of oh, some of the yeah. systems. My but, mother worked for uh, Health and Human Services, uh, Adult Protective Services. So yeah. she, I know, is very excited about this sweeping change because she had a lot of issues with that department over the years, wow. <laughs> to say the least. Wow. Well, I'm. that was my best news because there's been so much terrible news in the past week with the two mass shootings or three mass shootings. I would just like to take a moment to say protect Asian women, especially protect Asian sex workers. Not that those women were necessarily sex workers. We don't know. But if they were, that does not make it any less of a crime and a tragedy because sex work is real work and sex workers are real people that deserve dignity. And I want to take a moment to acknowledge the Atlanta shooting because not enough people are. Yeah. Because that was a hate crime. I don't care what any, the police chief in Georgia says that was a hate crime. He was not just having a bad day. Oh my God, the bad day comment really sent me. I can't. And then, and then um, just what, two days later, there was a mass shooting in Boulder that killed 10 people. And yep, yesterday. Just, 
I just feel the same way about gun control as I do about universal health care in this country. And I just don't think it's ever going to happen. Yeah. If, if Vegas and Sandy Hook couldn't do it, it leaves me feeling pretty pessimistic. Yeah, I just, I don't think it's going to happen because I think there are too many people who are being bankrolled by the right people. and Exactly. Well, I should the say NRA the right corporations. Is too damn powerful. Yeah, yeah. And it's, I mean, I, this isn't a political podcast, but we are po- inherently political people because our identities have been politicized. So we don't have much of a choice. Yes, exactly. My existence is political. Like, I just want to exist and live my life, and people have turned my existence into a political debate. Right. So then, people can't get so mad at at you for doing something like that, because they're the ones who made you a political stand. Exactly. So don't come for me. Don't (laughs) come for it. Yeah, miss miss me with that. Miss me with that shit. Um, Miss me. That was, it was just a kind of a shitty week. And so that was, that was a, some good news at the end of the week that would just happen today, I believe. Um, so hopefully she gets in there and does some, some good, Amazing, some, good, some good work. There's a lot of, a lot of, potentially a lot of change that can happen. So good news. So shall yes. we dig into episode three? Yeah, part three. Let's dig in. All right. So it opens with Cooper falling through space. Well, seemingly with space. But what we learned last time was that it was non-existence, right? Yes. What they call it. And he was still in his suit. But do I'd I like to want... point out that Coop acts strange when he's in the Black Lodge. Like 25 years in there has had an incredible effect on his brain. You know what I mean? He doesn't he doesn't act like himself quite when he's in the red lot when the in the red room. Right. And honestly, that makes sense because Yes. I, it's that that being in that room as a viewer for like one minute or five minutes or however long it is kind of disorients me. That's exactly the word I was going to use. Yeah. So he's, and I noticed he's still in his suit. And for me, that's important because Cooper's always in his suit, except for the flannel. Except for the flannel, which we can talk about in Fashion Corner later. So we'll just, this is just a little nugget that we'll come back to. Um, So then he gets inside. So he, he lands on this sort of like, um, stone castle-y looking thing and there's water everywhere which I thought was actually really pretty yeah it was it was in quite a, pretty in a kind of like melancholy way right it, it was, was. Kind of, it was yeah it was kind of calming and I wouldn't and... want to be there though no I'm not gonna lie no not at all no it was I, <laughs> I meant it was not, it was interesting to look at I it was say. very visually stunning yeah David Lynch is a master of that yes and then he turns and he goes in, he goes past these doors and he goes into this sort of dark, it, it's only lit by candlelight and there's a woman with no eyes. I wrote down that I, I think it reminds me a lot of American Horror Story Apocalypse when they're in sort of the underground bunker uh, of it all. And the woman with no eyes, what do you think about the woman with no eyes? Um, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting character, you know, who is she? You know, I like, no idea. why does she have no eyes? Well, I think there's probably something. There there's is. Probably, That's there's... why I can't comment much beyond asking vague questions. Because you know. Because it is explained, yes. Okay. Well, I think, I mean, obviously it means something else. 
Although there might be some other people that uh, there is obviously an answer, but there might be some other people that are like, no, it's just she has no eyes. But no, I honestly, every time I see something like that in a show like this, I immediately think, okay, there's going to be other, there's going to be other things that are going to point to why that's important. Yeah, exactly. And which is great. That's called the mauve room. The mauve room. Yeah. Listeners can correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. The mauve room. Well, I was, it was, it was definitely one of the most horror elements of this episode. Now, when he was in that room, if you'll notice, he uh, was drawn to an outlet called 15, the number one five, and there was humming coming from it. And that's the same humming that we've heard before and around, especially around the giant. I didn't connect that to the giant. And, um, like, those sort of, like, noises. Yeah, we've heard those uh, noises with the giant before. I believe that humming is related to that. That's interesting. And, I I mean, because we've only seen the giant at the very beginning of the first episode. So, this No, season, I'm not so... saying it's the giant specifically, but I believe the humming is related to, I guess I should say, maybe the White Lodge. Yes, I think that's that's where I was going to go with that, too. I think we we're on the same page there. Because I remember the giant in the earlier seasons kind of had a similar sound. Exactly. exactly. I feel like the sounds have been prevalent throughout the whole thing, even. Yeah, which is and cool. David Lynch even said at the beginning of the season, listen to the sounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he means it. Mm-hmm. Every sound. I will say, I, I think I mentioned this to you while we were watching, but I... Just when you get comfortable with Cooper being in the Black Lodge and, and being like, okay, he's stuck there. He might be stuck there indefinitely. We don't know what's going to happen to him. I thought that he was going to be stuck there for most of the season because they were going to do some, you know, tomfoolery and, and keep him there. Mm-hmm. And then the second that happens, he gets banished to non-existence, which is a whole entire other, like, thing for your brain to tackle, which is very, yeah. I feel like it's very David Lynch to do that, to be like, oh, you can't feel safe or comfortable in this moment because I'm going to make it. He likes to make his audience uncomfortable. Yes. I'm going to push it further. Like I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to take what you know, and I'm going to be like, well, here's something else. So that's I thought that exactly was. exactly That's his MO. That's mm-hmm. his MO. Mm-hmm. And then, so the lady with no eyes leads him up a, a ladder and she pulls a lever and she, there's electricity coming off at the top of it. They're on top of the spaceship and she gets thrown off. And I thought maybe she was going back to existence. Like that was my first thought. What are you, what were your, what was your first thought? If you can remember. That was my first, first thought. The first time I watched it was that she was uh, bringing herself back to existence via electricity. Yeah. Was she was like, great. That's cool. I was on the same page. So she, she was, she kind of had some knowledge of, of electricity. Yeah. And then Garland, Garland Briggs. Yeah, his head floats by. His head right? floats by, which I I liked him. He was really he was a great character in the first seasons, and he brought a lot of, I guess, wholesomeness. Yeah, from what I remember, it was wholesome. yes, a lot of wholesomeness from Garland Briggs, the greatest military man of all time. <laughs> you keep saying that. You've said that throughout the thing, but it was good to see him. I thought. Even if it was only a floating head that said "Blue Rose," which my initial thought about Blue Rose was that it was a plan 
that they might have in place or or something to signal um, some secret knowledge that they might have yeah. had in the FBI. Yeah, that's the feeling I got as well. Okay. I was like, I know you can't let on too much. Like, that's kind how of... I felt when I was at that episode. I was like, that's what I'm feeling too, is this is like a secret code. Yeah. I was, I was saying, I know you can't let on too much because you know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> I did want to note that uh, Cooper still kind of got it. He still got it. Oh, Cooper's always going to be able to get it. He's yeah. a fucking fox. Yeah, like, I'm, pan, I'm, I'm, I'm a lesbian, but I'm a pansexual lesbian. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a whole can of worms, but it's a real thing. Right. And um, uh, like Kyle McLaughlin is my number one man, like number one. I mean, he's so attractive to me. And also, like, I just, I've seen him in so many different shows, and he's constantly been, like, the good-looking man in those shows. Oh, yeah. Like, so, Sex in the City. Sex in the City. <laughs> Trey can't get it up? Yeah. Love, 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 love that. So I was just like, I was like, wow, he's aged really well. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. But we knew he would. And I love how he looks identical to the aging makeup. But we talked about that last episode. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So then he's and he goes back down a ladder and he's in sort of a, a the same room, but it's got a different um, outlet. And a different woman. Different woman who has eyes. And that outlet is labeled number three and it has no hum. N- none of that, like, hmm. Instead, it has like that kind of, uh, like almost like the arm noise. Yes, that's what I, I. Yes, it was like it was very similar to the arm noise when the arm was like, "This is what I sound like." Yep. More, or something deeper to that. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like almost like if I was going to get really existential, I would say that like his shoes are grounding him, right? So it, when when he. When he loses his shoes, he's got to sort of work to find them again. So he's got to work to find his consciousness, which we find out is a huge portion of of this episode, is realizing that he does not really know who he is. Yeah. Yeah. So if, if I was going to get really, like, deep, that's what I would say. Because I think shoes are what connect us to ourselves and to the, and to the ground. I agree with that. I like that theory. I really, really like that theory that it's what's grounding him. Thank you. Uh, I worked really hard on it. (laughs) (laughs) So back to Mr. C in the car. Mm -hmm. And um, then we got, uh, so keep going with what you were going. (laughs) Oh, I was just saying he gets in the car. We, we, we see him get in the car accident. It's really kind of grueling. Um, And we, we start to see the outlet, you know, kind of pull him in, but then it cuts to, I believe Nevada. Yeah, yeah. And the one black woman that we've had as a character in the show is immediately introduced as a naked sex worker. True. Which we've discussed. There's nothing wrong with sex work. No. Um, it's just interesting that the only... That plays into a lot of stereotypes. It does. That's the problem with it, is that it plays into a lot of stereotypes. And I just... I'm I'm just and I don't want to belabor the point, but I am just a little disappointed at the lack of diversity and in general. Yeah, oh, I'm just yeah, the lack of BIPOC individuals, the lack of the lack of tact when you know when showing nudity. Although this was slightly better than the last ones, I would say, but it's almost like they could have alluded to her being a sex worker without her being naked and sitting next to him. Like yeah, they could have just, like, just said it, you know, like you know, right. 
there's certain choices that I think are exploitative, exploit, exploitive, exploitive. Is that yeah. right? Exploitative. Um, exploitative. That's what I was thinking of. And there are certain choices that aren't. But I think you know I don't want to belabor the point. Obviously, it was a small scene, um, with her being naked. So. Yeah, Let's I don't talk. think it reached like true exploitative, like of like the highest degree. But like, I wouldn't. I I think that you could make an argument that it was exploitative to a degree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We would definitely be remiss if we didn't bring up that yeah. it was, you know, that just everything surrounding this particular character. But so they're with sort of a Cooper-looking person that that she keeps calling Dougie, who was like you know it looks like cooper it looks like if kyle mclaughlin was just like a midwestern dad but in nevada <laughs> but in nevada yeah it was just like or just like somebody who is you know relaxing in their in their you know middle-agedness his beer belly yeah that's what i meant <laughs> <laughs> um so then she takes a shower and then he starts to hear the outlet doing something he, he sees the red curtain so the red curtain then comes over it comes in front of the car the black car with mr c in it it comes in front of him as he's crawling on the floor and then the most disgusting thing i had to turn my head the vomit yeah and mr c vomits that garmin bosia which we discover is toxic to humans i vomited both times i watched that the first two times yeah, cannot. I uh, like I I'm had triggered to... by watching people vomit because of my stomach issues. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> this time I didn't though. Well, good because I was honestly I was like, this is absolutely disgusting. I had to turn away. Like I just can't do vomit scenes. I can't no, do I it. I can't either. I can't, and I won't. I've learned. I've learned that I don't have to. Also, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So, <laughs> so then. Dougie gets sucked in to the Black Lodge. Yep. Not Mr. C. Nope, Dougie. Which I knew was going to happen. Like, the second I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, this is the plan. This is the plan. Because Mr. C said he had a plan not to go back to the Black Lodge. And this, I imagine, was the plan. Um, Because Dougie gets there and... Stepping back. When um uh the when uh the woman looks at her clock at her watch it says two fifty two and when it hits two fifty three is when Cooper gets sucked into the outlet, which was a number that was previously said by the arm by the arm. And when Mister C's watch hits two fifty three when he's on the road is right when he's about to be sucked back into the lodge via his cigarette lighter. Yeah, so that's where we go next. We go to Mr. C, who's driving on the road, and he he gets into a really bad car accident. We see the 253 coming, and we see the outlet kind of sucking him in. Oh, one more thing about the woman in the mob room. What did you think about her saying, my mother's coming? Who do you think her mother is? Oh, that I have no idea. And um, his shoes didn't make it. Cooper's shoes didn't make it through. Do you think that means anything? Well, obviously, I think it does if you bring it up. Okay, no, I was just asking because that's like a fan theory, like people wondering. Yeah, I mean, I obviously think that if David Lynch spent the time to leave the shoes there, that there could be something explodes, pops like a balloon. And uh, goes down that little marble. Yeah, um, into a little gold marble. 
And Mike says to him that, uh, or slash Philip Gerard, I will continue to call him Mike, even though he's credited as Philip Gerard in this season. He's Mike to me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so just for our viewers, listeners, I can't get that right. Um, That's okay. <laughs> uh, he, uh, he said, someone manufactured you. Yes. So what does that mean? Does someone just create him out of nothing? Well, I think it means that Mr. C created him as a decoy. Yeah, I wonder how that happened. Do they have some sort of power at the Black Lodge with that? Is that what that marble thing was about? That's a good question. So, because if that can happen, that means... Because the thing about... I feel like the thing about David Lynch is that if if one thing is possible, then you have to think about that thing being possible to everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. And so it's like, well, there could be another decoy. There could be someone else floating around. There could be, you know... And that sort of makes the mind real, which I think is the point. Exactly, exactly. Tis the point. So he explodes. And then Cooper ends up on the floor outside of the shower um, where we saw the sex worker. Um, And she comes out and she keeps calling him Dougie. And he's completely just, he's not there. It's not Cooper. No, no, it's just, it's, it's just literally not Cooper. Not Cooper, which was a bummer for me. I was, you know, I was, I was hopeful. But yeah, we all were. We all, we all were. But mm. alas, get comfortable with Coop Dougie. Yeah, I'm assuming. I'm assuming that's what you meant last time when you said get comfortable with not having Cooper. And if you have beef with Dougie, you have beef with me. I'm just kidding, but you know. Oh, that's Dougie. Yeah. You talked about Dougie so much, and I did not even register that that was Dougie. Yep, Coop Dougie is Dougie. Like, he'll be known as Dougie, not Coop, throughout the show. And you said, if you have Dougie, you have beef with me. If you hate Dougie. Yeah, if you have beef with Dougie, you have beef with me. (laughs) That's what you've been talking about. Oh my gosh, I did not, I can't believe I even watched this episode and did not even, you said that so many times. (laughs) Okay, now when Dougie turned into um uh the marble, the alkane ring fell off his finger. Did you notice that? Yeah, the green the green ring, the one that yeah, Laura was not supposed to put Al-Cave on and did. Ring. The alcave ring, is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. That's the black lodge ring, is what I think of it in my head. Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense because then if he had that ring, he would be able to go to the black lodge. Well, we don't know that yet. Yeah. I was just thinking Laura had that ring and, it and was able like to go to the Black you, Lodge. It seems like if you have the ring on, you can be sucked into the Black Lodge. Yeah, like, I think Laura that was probably... put the ring on in uh, order to stop uh, Bob from inhabiting her, and she went to the Black Lodge instead. Interesting. Where is Bob? Uh, I thought you thought Bob was inside Cooper. I did think Bob was inside Cooper, or, or Mr. C. but cause, Because Mr. C is sort of this erratic, evil character but i'm sort of confused now do you want me to answer for you or do you want to keep saying confused well will will i find out or is it something that if you You will find out oh i want to find out then okay yeah because i was just thinking like i feel like i would have seen bob in a flash somewhere now i feel like because he to me is the ultimate villain but i understand that's not true yeah, it, 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 there are villains above Bob in season three. Yeah, I'm just sort of enamored with Bob and the whole, like, metaphor surrounding Bob and, 
and you know like this the whole concept of bob i'm kind of fascinated, fascinated by oh jinx. yes what's that i said oh jinx oh jinx you owe me a coke you do you owe me a coke but we only have pepsi products so no, it I goes in bugles in bugles so it goes to back to twin peaks finally finally goes back to twin peaks with our iconic donut disturb sign which you said you had one of those right i do have one of those my mother bought it for me for christmas it's a sticker to put on my laptop oh i kind of want one that's cute it is right yeah and then of course we see you know our twin peaks our three twin peaks locals who we will we have seemingly seen at every single time we've gone back to twin peaks which is lucy and then we have Andy, um, Andy and, Hawk. and and Hawk, the chief police. So they're looking for they're looking based on the tip from Log Lady that their their stuff with Coop is missing something. Yep, and it has to do with Hawk's heritage. And then and then Lucy's like, "You're an Indian," and he's oh like, "Oh my god," which is yes, just Lucy. so. He was like, "Yes, Lucy." It was just it was so it was so funny. It was so funny, but it was the reason it's funny is because it's so accurate. It is. It's so accurate. And it's that whole scene is so funny to me. David Lynch is really underrated for his comedic genius. Well, to be fair, you do think he's underrated for most things. No, but I mean, like, amongst Lynch fans, even and stuff like that, I feel like he can be underrated for his comedy. Yes, I do feel like I I laughed at this scene, especially when, especially when Lucy says, "Oh my gosh, I know what's missing. It's that bunny." <laughs> yeah, and she's like, "I had gas. I had gas, and so I ate chocolate." Oh, I read online, no. "Have you ever had chocolate for gas, Hawk?" And he's just staring at her deadpan. I know. Well, he, then she says, "Then she says, I read that it was like some sort of Native American cure for gas." Does right. that mean anything to your culture? And he was like, what the, f- what the fuck is wrong with you? He was just like, seriously, what is going on with you, Lucy? And then he was like, maybe it is about the bunny, which is exactly what I said. I was like, they have had too much talk about the bunny. <laughs> and, and I was like, it's got to be something about the bunny. But then he was like, no, it isn't about the bunny. Right. It's not about the bunny. Stop thinking about that. <laughs> but, then a, but then a part of me is like, I think it could be <laughs> about the bunny and i know you already know what it is so you can't tell me and then we oh, go and then... on to dr jacoby and his shovels oh my god the longest scene of all time oh no not by a long shot there have been yeah there are quite a few scenes in this and i remember this... you saying a lot of gear for face fainting outside but go off yeah go off sis i was like seriously i have spray painted so many things <laughs> at a very close distance sometimes indoors without a mask so that's not good john i understand that (laughs) i get that but i mean like he was really intensely wearing a gas mask outside yeah a full-on gas mask like i just wear a mask you know but i bet that has to do with something doesn't have to do with something does it but but you keep but but, but i bet it does okay i bet it i I bet it does I also didn't even recognize it was Dr. Jacoby until you told me. Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah. in the first episode, that was Dr. Jacoby buying the shovels. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And now he's spray painting them gold. So strange. Right? 
what do you think is going on there? I think I don't have enough information to even make it. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. An adequate theory. Because we've only seen him in two very long scenes. That's fair. But obviously, the length of the scenes is telling me that it means something uh, crucial to the storyline. Legit, legit. I mean, that's at least what I, I'm thinking. So then we go to the casino. Hey. But on the way to the casino, so I want to I talk about the way, the way to the casino. So um, we have, do you know what that character's name is? The, um, the black sex worker? Jade. Jade? Jade, yeah. That's right, because he says, Jade, give two rides. Yep. Um, so Jade is, is driving him somewhere. And then we see these two people are actually looking for Dougie. Um, but he drops a key, and so they don't realize that he's in the car. But they were going to shoot him. Let's note that. That was a Twin Peaks key, right? Yep, it was a key to his room at the Great Northern 315. Which, by the way, if we go back to the outlets, the first one he was attached to, uh, attracted to was 15, and the one he went through that was clearly like a trick or something was a three. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's a coincidence. I don't think anything's a coincidence in this world. No. But then, so, <clears throat> so they see they see that it's just her in the car, even though she had bent over, and they put a bomb underneath Dougie's car, and then yep. there's a woman across the street who keeps saying one one nine, which I noted as nine one one backward, which I'm assuming is what that's about. But I also wrote down one one nine just so I could have the number down. Yeah. Yeah. I assume that's what that's about, too. Like, she's a drug addict and, like, out of her mind. Yeah, the kid there. Yeah, that poor kid. I know. So then she, then Jade drives them over to the casino. And uh, he gets out, she basically gets him out of the car. And then there's sort of a comedy, comedic moment where he's running into the electric doors. And, and I thought that was, that was kind of funny. Although I'm still so unsettled by Dougie. Oh, I loved how you said that uh, when he was going through the door, the security guard that was watching, he was like, all right, he made it in. Game over. Not my problem. Not my problem. Which is so, such a theme in Twin Peaks. Yeah. It's such a not my problem theme. And I yeah, actually think like that's a the societal casino. theme. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Apologies. Oh, oh no, you're totally okay. You're, you're on the right track. I was saying it's a societal th- thing. Yeah, it really is. Like, uh, um, like you said, it, like I said, no one at the casino was even acknowledging him saying call for help. And you said, well, it's the same thing as Laura. And I quote, she ran around screaming, I'm at death's door. And everyone just said, oh, that's our Laura. Yep, that's our Laura. Oh, Laura, she's struggling right now, but she'll make it. Um, it, it actually reminds me of a quote from Seinfeld when Elaine is like, I look at the freaks because I want them to know that I... Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. When she's talking about a, a sort quote-unquote freak people, she's like, I look at the freaks because I don't want them to feel like they're freaks, but then I also don't want to give them too much attention. Yeah. It's like yeah. some some quote. So I have, I'll have to remember that quote. But it reminded me of that moment because I was like, that is so true. You know, we don't actually give a lot of attention to things that are strange. No, And we, we don't. find... In our society, we find that, you know, sometimes that leads to shootings. Or, sometimes or that leads to... Yeah, we or the older people... having just, a mental what? health crisis and we pull out our phone. Yeah, we'll just... We just... Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a sad sort of abuse, I feel. Because it, 
I feel like it can lead to, you know, violence. It can lead to unexpected death. It can lead to um, home or just a whole bunch of different things. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we saw it with Laura. Everyone ignored her and look what happened. Exactly. But oh, I digress. The- oh, go ahead. I was just saying I digress, but continue. Um, I was going to say they have the old style slot machines we love in the casino. The one with the lever. It's not the same without the lever when you just press a button. Like, I want to pull that lever. True. I mean, I, you know, I love a casino. I love a casino. You, you you were saying you love going to the boats with Greg, but I, um, I have my favorite machines. You know, like, I just, I miss going to the casinos. Yeah, you're a gambler. You're going to leave the house. <laughs> I am a gambler. Oh, you got to know when to fold them, John. Know when to walk away and know when to run. This is true. Never is true. count your money while you're sitting at the table. There'll be time enough for counting when the dealing's done, John. I know. Well, I don't sit at tables, okay? I am a slot machine I'm lady. I'm a slot machine and blackjack. Oh, blackjack, yes. I'll play blackjack. Although it does stress me out. But yes, those, I, I definitely missed, I love Vegas so much. I just miss going there. I know that makes me, that could make me trashy, but uh, who cares? <laughs> I remember so, I said once that I didn't trust anyone who goes on vacation to Vegas and then says, uh, I want to live here. And you were like, oh, <laughs> wow, that was me. I was like, that was literally me. I was like, I could, because I, I literally was like, at one point in my life with Zachary, I was like, you know what? We could move to Vegas. I think I would really like the weather there. And then it was like moments later you made that tweet. Yeah, I don't. I don't trust that. And you know what? Maybe I shouldn't trust that in myself either. So Cooper is walking around the casino and he starts to see the little like black, oh, something from the Black Lodge hanging over these machines and he keeps winning the jackpot. And so what I thought that meant was that maybe because he's still somehow connected to the Black Lodge, he gets some sort of like devious perk in life or he gets some sort of like devious connection with certain things. What do you think? That's exactly what I think. Yeah. That's exactly what I think. And the Black Lodge, and I think it might even be Mike helping him from the Black Lodge to get established. Like, we need to get you some money, you know. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's smart. That's a smart theory because I don't think, because I don't think Mike is inherent as like, I think he's trying to get good Cooper out there. Yeah. Well, he saw the face of God. Remember that in the first one, cut the arm yeah. off that said fire walk with me because I saw the face of God and wanted to stop the killing. So he seems to be on Cooper's side very much. So interesting. That is his, his trajectory is really interesting. He unnerves me, though, because I can't quite figure out his motive. I wouldn't say he scares me, but he unnerves me. The arm scares me. Yeah, you don't like the arm. Yeah, because I don't understand its motivations. Mm. I don't feel like it's purely altruistic at all. And Mike is not purely altruistic either, because if you recall, he was originally pissed, as we found out in Firewalk with me, because of the fact... I'm sorry, did I muffle? No, you're good. Okay, because of the fact that uh, uh, Bob is the hunter that gathers Garmin Bozia for the group, but he wasn't bringing it back, and he was stealing the corn from above the convenience store. So yes. Mike might just want Bob back because Bob is um, imbalancing the world. That's a really good theory. 
Thank you. I just want to know what Bob, because I know there are all these murders happening. Yeah. And Bob is all is notoriously associated with all like crazy gruesome. murders, gruesome murders. So I'm I'm thinking that he's still lingering, which is it's creepy in and of itself. Oh yeah, he's he's creepy in and of itself. Is what I mean. And but I mean him just lingering and and being in the in the shadows, you know, slowly picking people off is really unsettling. Oh yeah. Oh, very much so. So then we we go back to Twin Peaks with another musical scene at the end. This is your no, favorite no, song. No, no, we forgot Philly. We forgot Philly. Oh my gosh, how did I forget Philly? That's like the, the total huge end part before the band. So do you want to tell, tell us what happens in Philly? Okay, yeah. Um, so they uh, are discussing a case that they're currently working on and they have the evidence in front of them, which is just hysterical because it's like, how are you going to put this evidence together? There was a jar of beans. And a bunch of pictures of, like, people when they were younger, you know, and a gun. And then an assault rifle? An yeah, assault and rifle we're never going to, that's 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 just, like, never, you know, elaborated on it. That was just a case that they were working on, you know what I mean? That was just okay. kind of like a joke. And um, we're introduced to Tamara Preston, the newest FBI agent that's going to be working with Albert and Gordon. And okay. going to Cooper, see Cooper in South Dakota, who we know is Mr. C. Mm-hmm. And um, they're shocked as hell that Coop has suddenly shown up on the radar after 25 years of being missing. Um, now, what's uh, interesting to me is that um, Tamara showed the image of the experiment destroying Sam and Tracy, but she said that the cameras picked up nothing else that night. Cooper, we know, right before the experiment came in, also came into the box and left. That means that I highly doubt the cameras didn't capture that. I think somebody took those videos. You know, that's interesting because that spirit that destroyed them, if it's a spirit at all. The experiment. We're gonna call the, it the experiment, experiment that destroyed them, you know, could have sort of other devious plans as well. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's out of the question for them to have removed Cooper from that. Exactly. Like... I, I think that tracks. And we still don't know who the anonymous billionaire is that's funding this and that, like, owns Duncan Todd and, and, you know. So many questions. Right. And then did you notice there was a giant Adam mom pic behind Gordon's desk? Yes. How disturbing. <laughs> why, yeah, why would you have that just sitting around? You know what? Ugh. <laughs> I feel like that's, that can kind of be considered an ego thing, too. Well, it'll make sense. Oh, okay. Because I was like, I feel like there are some people that just like have natural disaster photos and stuff like that. Like, I mean, like bombs or like volcanoes and stuff like that going off because it's like a symbol of power. Yeah, that's not the case in Gordon. Gordon is not a power hungry, you know, power okay. dude, toxic masculinity sort of shit. Yeah. Gordon is the opposite of that very much. Good, good. But they're going to South Dakota, mm. which is not mm-hmm. good. But maybe they'll figure out that it's Mr. C. Maybe. <laughs> maybe they'll figure out this is not Cooper. I don't know. I'm a little nervous for them. All right. So I want to, uh, you wanted to get to the music. Yeah. Your favorite song. Uh, not my favorite, but one of my favorite. 
It's uh, What's it uh, called? Mississippi by the Cactus Blossoms is the song in this episode, and I love that song. I, I was, was singing great. along. It was yeah, you were you were singing along. It was great. Yeah, that's really... like my style of like folk music. Well, I like a lot of genres, but like I love that type of folk music. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to equate it to someone else. Do you, can you relate it to somebody else? So if that if someone's listening and they didn't listen, it to reminded that song. me a lot of old sixties folk like Joan Baez. Mm-hmm. I'm not familiar with them. Her, like she, her, her. Uh, she did uh, just a lot of old sixties. You'd recognize the songs if you heard them. For some reason, I'm blanking, um, brain farting on any names, but you would recognize who you heard. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, I, I really actually liked the song. It was one of my one of the better songs for me on the in the canon. Yeah, yeah, it's a really good one. They have some good music at the end of the episodes. Yeah. I, well, I'm hoping that there's more because I've, I've liked it so far. Oh, yeah. Okay. Sure. So I wanted to ask, what is your opinion on now the final episode of season two of Twin Peaks showed an explosion at the bank? Yeah. What do you think about that? I guess I don't think about that. Well, you should, because there was an explosion at the bank and Audrey and Pete Martell and um, Catherine Martell's brother were in it. Yeah, I just assumed they died. All right, so you assume Audrey's dead, not coming back this season? Yeah. Okay. Is that, I mean, you don't have to tell me if that's right or wrong, but I just assumed that that was kind of a way to wipe them out. And Pete Martell is definitely dead because Jack Nance, unfortunately, died in 1996. And I loved Pete. Yeah, so Pete is unfortunately gone. Mm-hmm. But Pete might be gone regardless on if he survived that. Well, if he had survived, he would have to be. He died in 1996. <laughs> no, I know, but I'm saying the character could potentially be dead as well. Uh... He was not that old. No, oh, I thought maybe he was in his 60s. No, he was in his 40s or 50s. He just looked older than he was because of the alcoholism. Oh, okay. I It's just that it might not be completely out of the realm of possibility if they were just like, he passed away because of XYZ. I would be like, okay, I get that. If, if they wanted to make them live. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so... We've reached the end of this episode of Twin Peaks, but I wanted to do a quick fashion review because there was something that stuck out to me, and it was Lucy's sweater. Did you notice Lucy's sweater? Lucy's sweater was phenomenal. It had little knitted flowers on it, and then it had sort of like a knitted center piece that had like giant buttons on it. It was just... Very Lucy. It was very indicative that she has not matured in any way. (laughs) and I want it it was very Dolores Umbridge and I I, yeah I want it I want that sweater I thought it was cute okay so uh my fashion was Coop back in a suit Coop back in a suit we love to see it and um I like Jade's clothes I don't remember what they looked like now but I remember I liked it after she you know got dressed yeah, I mean, she was gorgeous. And I loved the um, dresses that the uh, women in the mall room were wearing. Oh, I'm trying to remember what they were wearing. Uh, I'm trying to now, too, but I remember making a note that I loved them. Okay, cool. Um, uh, Thank also, you for uh, I searching for I pulled up the overview that. from the prior episode, so what are your takeaways from the episode? 
from this episode? Yeah. My takeaways are we're going to figure out, uh, or we're going to, I think we're going to have the detectives meet Mr. C and we're going to figure out how Mr. C sort of navigates that. I think Cooper is going to have to basically slowly recover memories. And so it's going to take him a long time. And I think that's a, that's a plot skill so that, or a plot um, point so that other characters can sort of move forward with other things before he gets back involved. I think that's just like a way to keep him out of the picture a little bit extra long. That makes sense. And build suspense. And then I think that um, I still think Mr. C is not going to get away with what he did because I think that the Black Lodge is more transcendent than a trick. Oh, that makes sense. Like, I th- I think the Black Lodge operates under a different set of rules. Oh, it absolutely does. So I just, I don't see him getting away with that simply because the Black Lodge is like, no, dude, that's not how that works. Because now, technically, there's no Cooper in there. Yeah, no. Well, Doppel Cooper. Yeah. Mr. C, like, and he counts as a Cooper. Yeah, there's no one in the Black Lodge right now, though. Yeah, no, there is no one in the Black Lodge. So I feel like they're going to have to do some remedying for that. Because, because they I don't said the two Lodge. cannot exist at the same time. So yes. do you think Mr. C is going to like uh, try to get rid of uh, Dougie Coop? He, if he finds out he's there, then yes. That makes but I also, think, I also think maybe both of them might start to deteriorate in certain ways. Ah, that could, that's an interesting that, theory. Yeah, it might not happen, but I just thought, like, if they can't exist in the same space, that maybe physically they might start to deteriorate. That makes sense. And that leads into our theories uh, category. Yeah, theories category. Um, uh, yeah, and then uh, peaks and pits. Peaks and pits. My peaks were... Cooper is back in the real world, even though it's Dougie Cooper. It's Cooper's back in the real world. I was absolutely thrilled with that. That was my high point. What was your peak? Um, my peak was uh, probably Coop back in the real world. Yeah, yeah. Coop becoming in and becoming Dougie and being in the real world. It's just nice to see. It nice, is really to see. nice to Ref- see. Refreshing. Gives me nostalgic moments. Uh, the pitch for me was um, uh, the introduction of the first black female character naked. Yeah. I think I don't think we can avoid that pit. I think that's just the, the, the pittiest of the pits. Yeah. Okay. It's unfortunate. It is. It is. Um, however, hopefully he redeems himself. I don't I'm not sure. Hopefully there's some other if if there is a spin-off or something that has been rumored, hopefully that that he if he's in charge of it that he's grown or if he has relinquished uh some sort of you know power over it to someone else oh no that's not gonna happen (laughs) yeah i don't think that's i don't think it's gonna happen but i do hope that he figures that shit out because that's annoying and awful yeah yeah he's you can tell he's very much of a different time in that regard yeah very a bygone era that should stay gone (laughs) yeah agreed Mm. But I, and it's all to say that I love David, but he's not without flaws, just like all people. I know. 
And it's that's why it's important to call We're them out. We're all biased. We all have internal biases. I don't think David goes out of his way to cast ca- white cast members. I just think that he isn't thinking about the diversity aspect, like, because of his age and his privilege. Like, he just isn't thinking about it at all. And I don't think it's purposeful in any way. Right. That doesn't make it any better. No, it doesn't. But uh, it does change the intent. It does change the intent. But the outcome However, is what really matters. Yeah, outcome was what matters. So hopefully he has taken, because I don't, I cannot imagine we are the only people who are coming up with this. No, I or, can't. Or, or seeing this this way. I'm, I, I mean, can't. I'm sure... I, every person of color that's ever watched this show got it way before us. Yeah, for sure. I mean, how could you not? <sighs> well, Al. Yeah. We have reached the end of our analysis of episode three of Twin Peaks The Return. We um, have. Less tangents this to... time. What's that? Less tangents this time. <laughs> Less tangents. It was still fun, though. I had a great time. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, do you want to let people know how they can find you on social media? Uh, Sure. No, actually, I changed my mind. I like to keep my Twitter fairly private for now. Maybe later. Okay, yeah. If you want to set something up, too if you just you don't have to no pressure okay cool cool and i actually don't know my twitter handle so we're here to tell you you can't find us anywhere except for here so i hope you tune in next week to hear what we have to say about episode four right al yeah absolutely this has been the convenience store with john and al If you like what you heard on this podcast, please like, subscribe, and share with your friends and other Twin Peaks nerds. If you would like to contact us, please email at theconveniencestorepod at gmail.com. Happy listening!